the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. Welcome to the show. Glad to have everybody back. And I'm going to talk a little medicine for part of the show today and live up to my name as the man with the answers for your medical problems. Oh, boy. So we are at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And this is talk radio, so you're welcome to join me. If you have any questions or want to have some input into the show, let me know. We are an iHeart station, and you can also reach me at drbillradiomd.com. Click Listen Live, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time. And we also uh, have a archive that you can click and go to old shows if there's something of interest. Well, I had a really interesting case this week. Not that, not that it was that unique for me, but certainly it was unique for the the residents and the interns and the house staff, because they don't see this very often in our little hospital. But uh, we had a Canadian fella come in. I uh, had seen him before in years past. I can't remember what for, but he came in. He has a history of atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heart rhythm that requires, in uh, a lot of people, requires blood thinners like Coumadin or Xeralto or uh, Eliquis. These are fairly common anticoagulants, blood thinners that we use to keep people from forming clots inside the top of their heart, which can break off and go to the brain and cause a stroke. So uh, they do have the risk of uh, causing any bleeding to become life-threatening, and that's exactly what happened. He came in with bleeding from his rectum and ended up having a diverticula that was bleeding, and he ended up going to surgery. But the uh, resident is with me this month had never seen the drama of this, and uh, the bed was just filled with blood clots. And, and I know it sounds kind of gross, but you know it's 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 uh, something that you either enjoy doing and taking care of, or you don't. And most people don't. They don't like blood, and they don't like especially rectal bleeding. I mean, that's it's pretty uh, pretty dramatic. And so we had to move the poor old boy to the ICU, reverse all the uh, clotting medications that he was on. Uh, we gave him fresh frozen plasma, fluids, blood, and he ended up going to surgery and had part of his colon resected, uh, which 
solve the problem, and it was indeed a bleeding diverticula. And the resident was, uh, I would say that he was in awe. And he said, you know, I've never seen anything like that, Dr. Handelman. Um, I guess you have, but I haven't. And it was a little uh, disconcerting for him, but I did my best to let him handle it because I thought that it was something that would be uh, a great learning experience for him. The patient was never in danger because I stayed uh, close to the situation. A couple of things were missed, but we made up for those. And it's fascinating to see the young people learn, and it's also uh, a reminder of the power of some of our medications. Uh, atrial fibrillation is an irregular heartbeat. At the top of the heart, the two atria, the receiving chambers, one receives blood from the body and the other receives blood back from the lungs. Uh, they get a little haywire and there's chaotic electrical activity, so there's no organized electrical activity. And when there's no organized electrical activity, there's no organized squeeze of the chambers, and so blood can pool, uh, and it does, and it can form clots and kind of like little eddies. And there's also a, an extra little pooch, outpooching of the left atrium, which is called the left atrial appendage, and that can be uh, like a little backwater uh, swirl, and then you can really get clots there. A lot of the way that we keep from forming blood clots uh, because our blood is, is always wanting to do that, uh, is to have good laminar flow. And if there are little swirls and eddies and, and dead spots, little pools, then that will form a clot. And the blood keeps mixing itself, and it has not only clotting factors, but factors that break down clots. So uh, it's a system that is always in action, and we have microscopic tears inside of our blood vessels, and those have to be plugged up uh, on a regular basis. And, of course, we cut ourselves or um, have bleed in our stomachs or whatever, and those have to be clotted off as well so we don't bleed to death. So we use with, uh, with, with reservation, of course. We, we use blood thinners in people who have chronic atrial fibrillation if they meet the criteria and the criteria are their age, uh, other predisposing conditions like the size of their heart, uh, whether they're diabetic, whether they're women. Uh, there's a number of, of things that we look at, and, uh, and if they've had a prior uh, clot or a prior stroke in the face of this atrial fibrillation, then, then we consider that high risk, and we also will start them on blood thinners. Now, there's different class, classes and types of blood thinners. Uh, the, the big gun blood thinners are the Coumadin and Warfarin, the Xeralto and the Eliquis and uh, Pradaxa. These are, these are the big guns that we use on a chronic basis. They're pill form, and you can take them by mouth once a day or twice a day, depending on which one we use. And with the Coumadin, we have to continually check your clotting time. So you have to come back to the office or the hospital once a month and make sure that it's in the range that we want. With the uh, Eliquis and the Xeralto, we don't have to check your clotting times. Uh, and so that's a little easier. They're a little more expensive, a little newer, 
And they're a little harder to reverse because they have longer half-lives. And we don't have really great medicines right now. We've developed a couple of things, and they're very expensive uh, to use, but we do have that. However, with, with Warfarin Coumadin, we can give you fresh frozen plasma, which has vitamin K in it and vitamin K-related uh, clotting factors. We can also give you vitamin K itself, and this takes a little bit longer to work. However, it does reverse the Coumadin over uh, 12 to 18 hours. I don't like to use that in people with, with predisposition to forming clots in their heart because then you got to reverse that, and uh, it becomes another problem once you cure the bleeding. So uh, we give fresh, fresh frozen plasma, which has clotting factors in it that are blocked by the Coumadin and Warfarin, and they're, they're there. Uh, the Coumadin and the Coumadin Warfarin, it blocks the production of what we call vitamin K-dependent clotting factors. I know people are taking vitamin K uh, as a supplement. It's 99.99999% uh, of the time of no value, and uh, I don't recommend it. <clears throat> so we reverse this guy. And then we had to reconsider his atrial fibrillation because we don't want him to form clots in his heart. So once the surgeon is done with the procedure and says it's safe to uh, restart your blood thinners, whatever they are, then we can go back with uh, heparin, which is injected or given intravenously. And this is a blood thinner that it works a little bit different than the uh, than the big guns that we use. This, this is a big gun, but it's in hospital only as a general rule. And it works uh, by blocking some sugar protein components of the clotting system. So we restart him on that while he's in the acute phase because once you turn the heparin drip off, uh, it's, it's out of your system in one to two hours. We break it down quickly. Um, it's a glycoprotein, which means a sugar and a protein chemical that's hooked together. So it's broken down quickly, and that's what we use short term. Well, who needs to be on uh, big gun blood thinners? People with atrial fibrillation who have uh, history of clots or who have an enlarged heart, um, who have diabetes, um, who have uh, age against them. Uh, thickened hearts, uh, bundle branch blocks, which are conduction defects in the heart, prior heart attacks or strokes. Um, so we use it for a number of things uh, in people who have atrial fibrillation, but we have to be very careful, of course. Uh, contraindications would be a history of a recent bleed or recent surgery, especially brain surgery. We don't want to use anything that would cause bleeding in the brain because guess what? The brain is enclosed in this hard shell, and there's nowhere for the blood to go. And the pressure of the bloodstream and the blood system, the pump of the heart, is much more powerful than the brain tissue, and it'll squish your brain. And that's not a good thing. We don't like that. So if you've had a bleed now, there are people who have the risk for falling, uh, especially older people who are unsteady or who are demented. So we have to be careful in using big gun blood thinners and people who are at high risk for falls. And 
this is something that we have to ask the patient and the family. Now, this patient that we had in the hospital with this uh, major GI bleed, lower GI bleed, uh, colonic bleed, he's also demented, but he's fairly stable on his feet. And so we consider him uh, somewhat at risk, but we do feel that he would be better off. And one of the problems that we see is demented patients who are in atrial fibrillation and have not been treated. And we know now that there are a subset of these patients who form little microscopic clots all the time in their heart. And they flick these off and they go up to their brain and they cause little micro strokes and eventually cause dementia. So we think, uh, well, we, we know that this is preventative if we get you early enough uh, and get you on blood thinners if you need them. Now, what are the risk factors? The moderate risk factors are age 65 to 74, female sex, hypertension, diabetes, heart failure, uh, prior heart attacks or strokes, plaques in your aorta, and then people at high risk or prior strokes or heart or systemic strokes, uh, blood clots, or age 75 years or older. So, and we have a little system we use, and we we give a point for each one of these. And if you have so many points, then we consider you at high risk, and recommend that you go on one of the big guns like. Uh, Coumadin or uh, Zeralto or Eliquis. Uh, the generic names for some of these are Dabigatrin, which is Prodaxa, Riviroxaban, and Apixaban, which are Zeralto and Eliquis, and a new one, Edoxaban. So again, the risk of bleeding increases, and uh, the things that will also add to your risk factors include liver or kidney disease cancers, uh, use of aspirin, or other agents that will block platelets like Plavix and Berlenta, high blood pressure, especially if it's not controlled, diabetes, anemia, again, prior strokes, fall risk, genetic predisposition. And so these are all things that can add to the bleeding uh, propensity of somebody who is on a blood thinner. And we also have a little scale we use for propensity to bleed. And if that's too high, then we don't use the big guns. Well, what are some of the smaller guns? The smaller guns are aspirin. Aspirin is uh, an antiplatelet medication. So it will stop all platelets that come in contact with it from being able to stick together. The platelets are little itty bitty cell fragments that float around in our bloodstream. There's billions of them. And millions of them are made every minute in our bone marrow. And these act as the initial plugs uh, for breaks inside the cells or for cuts or different uh, injuries to the body. And they will stick to uh, denuded or tissue that's been opened. Uh, so the lining of our blood cells will not allow these little fragments of, of, of cells, these little platelets to stick to them. But if there's a tear on that lining of our, of our blood vessels, then they will stick and they'll start the clotting mechanism. So we use aspirin and a baby aspirin, 81 milligrams is recommended now for, uh, adults, uh, especially if you have history of high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, gout, um, 
autoimmune diseases, anything that would tend to inflame the blood vessels. We, we now know that a baby aspirin is protective against heart attacks and strokes. So we can use that. That's, that's uh, the baby level, entry level. We also have things like uh, Plavix and Berlenta, which we use along with aspirin after a stent is put in in a stent, so like a little wire uh, bridge or a cage that we can put inside of a blood vessel where there's a clot or a blockage or a cholesterol plaque, and we can use a balloon to blow that up, and it squishes the clot or the plaque up against the wall of the blood vessel and opens it up. And that is... Uh, superseded surgery as the most common procedure for uh, blocked arteries and, and acute heart attacks. And it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, advancement in the technology of treating heart attacks and strokes and uh, blocked blood vessels in our legs and so on and so forth. So we do that, and after you get a stent, you have to be on one of these medium, uh, I call them medium because they're not uh, the same potency as the heparin uh, and the Coumadin and the Warfarin and the Xeralto and the Eliquis and the uh, Pradaxa. So I call these the intermediate ones, but you have to be on these for a period of time. And we can use these also for atrial fibrillation in people who are... Uh, for one reason or another, not able to take the bigger guns. And we can use Plavix or uh, aspirin and Plavix. We also have another drug called, um, <clears throat> uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. I'll get to it in a minute. Let me <laughs> scroll down to that. So we can use a combination of medications to keep you from forming clots inside your system. And we have, therefore, uh, big guns, intermediate guns, and uh, littler guns that we use to prevent clots from forming, whether in atrial fibrillation or after you've had a stent put in your heart or after you've had a stroke. Uh, sometimes we'll use things that will stop clots from forming. So these are all good things to use, and they're readily available uh, there should always be something available for you and something that will work for you. Again, in the hospital, we use heparin, and we also have a heparinoid drug we call Lovinox. Uh, then we have the big guns, Coumadin, Prodaxa, Zeralto, Eliquis. And then we have the intermediate guns, which are the aspirin and the uh, Plavix and the uh, Berlenta. And these also are useful in certain situations. So what do you need to look for? Well, obviously, if you're bleeding from somewhere like this poor old guy was, and I'm talking about the uh, GI bleed that I had in the hospital this week. Uh, the GI bleed was from the rectum because of a bleeding diverticula, if you're just joining the show, or diverticulum, single diverticula, plural, or diverticuli. And he was on Coumadin warfarin, which is a, a big gun anticoagulant, and he was on that it was a, for to stop clots for, 
from forming for atrial fibrillation, which predisposes people to forming clots in their heart. So the treatment for that was to reverse the effects of the heparin, I'm sorry, of the Coumadin and Warfarin with fresh frozen plasma and to get him to surgery to get the uh, bleeding part of the bowel out, and that was taken care of. He's doing well, by the way. So the, the antiplatelet drugs, again, are Plavix and Berlenta, uh, Dipyridamol, and then Dipyridamol and aspirin. Uh, that's what I was trying to remember a few minutes ago. That's called Agronox. Uh, there's Ticlopidine and Integralin. These are a little bit different in the way they work, but they're also uh, anticoagulants. So that's the story on that. And I thought that that would be something that you guys could use or pass on to family or friends who are on anticoagulants. And again, if you uh, suspect that you're bleeding, then get into your doctor or to the emergency room as soon as possible if you're on one of these big gun drugs that prevent you from forming clots because we need to form clots in order to survive. And the symptoms that you might see, of course, if it's a lower uh, GI bleed, and that is in the colon or the small intestines, you may see bright red blood, or you might see uh, uh, this kind of purplish jelly looking uh, clotted blood. If it's in the upper system, uh, uh, in the stomach where blood can mix with acid, then the iron will be reduced and you will have black tarry stools. I'm sorry, it'll be oxidized, I guess. Yeah, gain electrons lose electrons. I forget which one. At any rate, you're going to have black, dark, tarry stools, and that's a symptom or a sign that you're bleeding in your stomach. So if you vomit up blood, if you cough up blood, uh, if you have blood in your urine or you have blood coming from your vagina then and you're on a big gun uh, blood thinner, then you may be in trouble and you need to get in to see your doctor as soon as possible. So I, I give that to you. Uh, because I don't want you to have a life-threatening major bleed that goes untreated because life-threatening bleeds that go untreated generally end in no life. And, uh, of course, the reason you're on medications is so that you do live and you live healthily and happily. So in the event of life-threatening bleeds, we can use certain things to reverse some of these medications. Uh, there is medication now to reverse the Pradaxa, the, the Dabigatrin. I am trying to get our pharmacy to take Dabigatrin, Pradaxa, off of the uh, formulary for the hospital. We have one older cardiologist who is uh, resisting, uh, but this is not a drug that I think is uh, of great value, and I think the propensity to bleed is much higher with this than it is with some of the other uh, big guns that we use. And I will even use the older one, the Coumadin Warfarin, and some of my patients who are not that reliable because it makes them come in on an intermittent basis so we can keep an eye on them and make sure that they're taking their medicines. Uh, and you, you have an older population, you have a lot of people that forget uh, and take too little or take too much or try to make it make up by taking extra when they think they've forgotten. And so it's uh, it's something that we need to keep tabs on. Now, we do have a reverser for the dabigatrin. Uh, it is a monoclonal antibody. It is expensive. It does work very well. 
and we're coming out with some other ones for some of the newer um, newer anticoagulants. Uh, now for aspirin, uh, the only thing you can really do is to give platelets. Uh, the Plavix wears off pretty quick, but the aspirin will stick with you for a week or two. And not all the platelets that you make will be uh, blocked from forming clots, but the ones that do come in contact with the aspirin will be. And if you're going to have major surgery, we recommend that you be off aspirin for at least a week, um, probably two weeks. And Plavix, uh, Berlenta, uh, we can do things in an emergency situation. Of course, you have to. you got to stop the bleeding. Uh, but uh, we recommend that you're off of that for four to five days anyway. So that's the story on uh, the anticoagulants and the propensity to bleed. And if you have any questions, I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. I think we've pretty much beat that to death. What do you think, Bill? <laughs> Sufficiently. <laughs> but it is dramatic when you see a, a a bed full of uh, blood and blood clots. Oh my gosh, that will get the attention of your house staff in a hurry. So we've got an end to the temporarily to the quote unquote government shutdown. Uh, it wasn't the whole government, obviously. It was just uh, a quarter or so of the federal workforce. And uh, in my little four minute blurb yesterday, that uh, Joe runs on Saturday mornings for me. I said that it ended not with a bang, but a whimper. And so I wake up this morning and I'm watching the news and one of the reporters standing on the white house salon at 5 AM, uh, says, well, it ended not with a bang, but a whimper. So somebody's listening, aren't they? I'd like to think that I'm the only person in uh, a nation of, hundreds of millions of people that thinks of that, but I'm probably not, but it makes me feel good anyway. So what's going to happen now? The president says that this is a three week shutdown and, uh, the Democrats are saying that he caved in, uh, and Coulter calls him a wimp. Uh, I don't think that people really understand this guy's personality. Uh, he is, a businessman, and he's going to come to the table and say, I'm only going to pay $50 when you're demanding $200 and then negotiate back and forth. And of course the project has to keep on going. So if you say, well, I'll put in that window for $200 and you say, well, I'm only paying you 50, uh, the rest of the house is still being built while we negotiate with the window maker and the window setter. And I don't think that this guy, uh, the president, is a vicious man, although a lot of people on the left think that. But I think he really has a heart, and he doesn't want to see people suffering. And I think that affects him uh, tremendously. And I said that even when he was uh, running in the primaries and in the general election. I, you know, I also said that I didn't think he was a staunch conservative. I think that he is more of a pragmatist, but I do think that he has some things that he really feels strongly about. And whether it's uh, in response to what he perceives as his basis desire, or if these are really his desires, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I think that you uh, adopt the, the 
wishes and wants of the people that you're serving, if you're a true servant, a public servant, that you will stop and think about what it is they want, see the wisdom of the people, and try and enact that. And so uh, I'm not surprised that he did back down. Uh, I understand now, though, that there are Democrats in the House that are also backing down, that the conservative and moderate Democrats are saying, you know, we see the need for the border wall. We see the need for security. We see the need for uh, all of this coming into play. We understand that it decreases crime and that it strengthens the country and that it makes it gives more value to becoming a citizen uh, if there is a process that you have to go through. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ever amazed at the things that I hear, and I have an employee who is a citizen from El Salvador originally, and uh, she wants to tear down the border wall. And I said, why? She said, so I can get more of my people up here. And, of course, we all looked at her like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, and uh, we even have uh, black employees and Bahamian employees, and we've got the little Korean, and we've got a lot of people uh, from all walks of, of American life, both homegrown and imported. And my wife and and people who have gone through the process are saying, wait a minute, this isn't fair. I had to wait five years. I had to go and take all these tests. And now here are people that are just walking into the country and we hear that they're even voting illegally. Uh, where's the equity in that? Well, I agree there is no equity in that. And I think that there are people on the Democratic side that realize that. Now, can they put aside their, their uh, hate of Trump uh, and this, this, this uh, insanity over the president. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, it's not like he's a dictator. <laughs> and I, and I kind of laugh when I hear people overseas say, well, do you think Trump will do this or do that? And I say, well, he, he can't, we have a constitution and he's not, uh, he's not actually in control of many aspects of government, you know, the, the purse strings are held by the, by the Congress and the court system by the judiciary branch. And so, and, and I, I said to people in the primaries and in the general election when they said, well, do you think he's really going to build a concrete wall? I said, well, no. I mean, you know, that's that's a metaphor that he's using. That's for dr the drama and the effect. And I said he'll try to build uh, various portions of it out of various materials, whether it's fencing or barricades or uh, bunkers or concrete. But uh, it's not going to be exactly what you think. And people said, do you think he's really going to be able to end uh, the birthright of anybody born in the United States to be a citizen? I said, no, he can't. That's in the Constitution. You know, I mean, he's he's saying things that obviously he's not going to be able to do because we have a Constitution and a rule of law, and we see that happening now. So, I don't I don't think that he is uh, naive in that respect. I think that he is a good PR man, and he's good on the stump. And he's using these things uh, as drama and as effect and as ways to try to enact what he feels are necessary actions for the benefit of the country. Well, when I come back, 
we'll talk a little bit more about this and a few other things. I'm Dr. Bill, and I love you guys. Go grab a cup of Joe. I'll be right back. SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Authorities say a man suspected in two shootings that left five people dead in Louisiana yesterday has been arrested today in Virginia. Ascension Parish Sheriff Bobby Werber and Livingston Parish Sheriff Jason Ard say 21-year-old Dakota Theriot was arrested today in the Richmond County, uh, was arrested today by the Richmond County Sheriff's Office. He'll be brought back to Ascension Parish and booked on two counts of first-degree murder, home invasion, and illegal use of weapons. He apparently killed his parents. Police say the bombing of a cathedral on a southern Philippines island today has killed 20 people and wounded another 81. There were two blasts, one designed to catch the rescuers after they arrived to get to the first one. And Venezuela is backing away from an order expelling U.S. diplomats, avoiding for now a potential showdown with this country. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 7384 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. This is Chris Markowski, your watchdog on Wall Street, and this is your watchdog on Wall Street Money Minute. It's amazing how these, um, it's actually quite amazing Economic statistics are just completely ignored, overlooked by the mainstream media because it doesn't fit the narrative that the Trump presidency is a failed presidency and he's the worst president ever. If that's the case, uh, why is it that jobless claims are the lowest since they've been, uh, since 1969? It continues. Now, he doesn't get all the credit for this. Uh, what he gets credit for, he's not the one out there employing people, even though he does employ people. Get that wrong with his businesses. It's the fact that he's cleared a lot of um, mines out of the way. All these uh, mines, these Lilliputian mines, red tape mines, stuff that holds people back, businesses back. You do that, the American economy can start cooking, and that's what he's allowed to happen. Again, completely ignored by the mainstream media. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Human trafficking is modern-day slavery, and it happens in our own communities. Victims can be any gender, age, or race. Join the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign to learn how to recognize and report this heinous crime. Visit our website at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. That's www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. Your second look could be their second chance. 
Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Breezy and cool with periods of rain today, some of which will be heavy. Watch for flooding wind gusts up to 30 miles per hour. High today, 56. Remaining cool with rain tonight. Gusts up to 30 miles per hour with a low of 46. Tomorrow, some clouds followed by sunshine. High getting up to 63. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and we're on AM860, The Answer. I'm at 877-969-8600 if you have any input into the discussion today. And that was the Beatles and Don't Let Me Down. That goes out to our president uh, for all of of us who have supported him on the right and on the conservatives and uh, the belief that uh, border security is important. And that the wall is necessary. Uh, It would appear that he caved in to a certain extent. And so we're asking him to not cave in. But uh, it's only a three-week reprieve. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Now, how can we pay for the wall if Congress won't approve it, if the House won't uh, go along with this? Well, I heard one of the senators from Louisiana talking on the radio or actually on the television yesterday, and he said we could use the drug money that's seized uh, from the cartels and use that to build a wall. And uh, one of the reporters said, well, how much is that? And he said, it's about five billion a year. (laughs) That's all. That's what what the president's asking for. Well, what are the. what are the hoops that he will have to jump through in order to be able to utilize this money? Remember that this money goes to the Department of Justice. That's the FBI and the uh, DEA and all of these agencies that are under the Department of Justice. And then it's sent back to the subdepartments uh, for operating expenses. So it is used uh, as operational money by these departments in the federal government. And uh, this is okayed by Congress. Congress has control of all the money. And they say how the money is to be spent. And and there are some discretionary funds for the president, but most of the money is uh, tightly controlled by Congress, tightly in the sense that it goes to a specific uh, program or agency. So it would take congressional approval, I'm sure, for the president to be able to do this unless he declared a national emergency. Uh, but I thought that was a brilliant idea. Why not? Let's use the drug money. Let's use this illegally, uh, this money that's seized that is illegal money, that's laundered money or that's dirty money, and let's put it to good use. Let's use it. Let's use this weapon that we seize from these people against them and um, make sure that they don't get back into our country and bring drugs in and so on and so forth. And the wall has proven effective in El Paso. The, uh, the police down there have seen a drop in their crime rate and the streets are cleaner and so on and so forth, all the things that we think of as positives. 
so I, I think this is a, just a, a really great idea. I don't know. Bill, did you hear about that? I mean, I, this guy's going to introduce a bill in, into the Senate uh, in the next week or two to see if we can do this. Not amazing. Not really, no. I mean, I haven't heard it. What do you think? I mean, that would be a really, really great way to fund the wall and get around the, 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 uh, the impasse. No, it would almost be, I mean, ironic, poetic justice. Yeah, yeah, it really would. So uh, this is a good way that, that we can approach it, and it would be hard for the Democrats to say no to that uh, since it would be using a pistol you take away from the bad guy to uh, corral him and incarcerate him. So build the wall with their own money. And by the way, if this money is coming from the Mexican cartels, then in a sense the Mexicans are – paying for the wall. So that's a great thing. So hopefully that'll go through. Now, do you think Trump's a wimp? Uh, I don't think so. I, th I think the guy's just, uh, I think he's a little bit of a softy underneath all of that blunder and bluss, but that that's my take on him after studying him for the past four, uh, three or four years now. And I think that he has a heart. And I think that if it were up to him, he would have a national health care plan for those who couldn't afford it, probably be an, an expansion of Medicaid or something like that. And that's important because people need to have a leader that they believe cares about them. So the agencies that seize this money would be a, turning this back to the president who would then use it to build the wall. And that would be a good thing. And we hope that that will be done. Now, what about the government employees? Well, they're all going to get their, their, their money. I mean, they're going to get paid, and so their back pay will come to them. I have listened to the press intently, both on the right and the left, and I am amazed at how lockstep they are in their uh, support of the laid-off government employees and how much they are pulling for the – the government employees who are not receiving a paycheck, not laid off, but not being funded. Uh, that was a misnomer on my part. And I think that it is truly a win for the press because they have been able to stir up the public. And I mean the left and the right press. I mean, even Hugh Hewitt was talking about the hardships of the uh, – federal employees. And of course, the press has a vested interest in seeing that the government continues on because that's a lot of the news is what's going on in the government. And a lot of the press has a vested interest because they're, uh, if not located in Washington, D.C., they are constantly in contact with colleagues there. So this is the center of their world, so to speak. I mean, they're, they're, they're interested in seeing the government continue to run. They don't want to see a smaller government despite what they may say. They feel sorry for, uh, supposedly, for the little guys who have been affected by the government shutdown, especially the uh, lower end, the GS1s and 2s and 3s and 4s, uh, who don't make a lot of money. Uh, the GS3 is equivalent to a private first class in the Army, and you're not going to get rich being a private first class in the Army. And, of course, the benefits that go along with it uh, for, for these people include health care and retirement. And they have families, presumably, 
And so they need money to feed their families and to provide health care for them. And, and I have sympathy for that, but uh, I think that there's a bigger picture here that uh, the national press, both on the left and the right, miss, and that is that shrinking the government is a good thing, that we don't need all this government, and that the GS workers, the civilian workers for the government, are doing extremely well relative to their counterparts in the private sector, as we talked about last week. And so I think that the sympathy is perhaps a little bit misplaced because there are plenty of jobs out there. There's a a lot of employers that are looking for people that are qualified or that are willing to be trained And there's a shortage of workers. I mean, you can't find people because we have near full employment. And a lot of these folks who are uh, general service employees of the government could find jobs in the private sector. Of course, they wouldn't make as much money and they wouldn't have the the best benefits in the world, perhaps. But uh, you know what? The rest of us have gotten along quite nicely. over the years with what we have. Uh, the health care remains a, a concern, and I, again, urge the president and Congress to do something about that, to decrease the cost of health care and to rein in the cost of drugs, and the government can do that. Now, whether or not they will is hard to say. You know, you see even the liberal Democrats partying down in, in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and it's being paid for by some drug company that's uh, – a lobby uh, for their company, and they're they're laying it on thick for the, the liberal Democrats. So directly or indirectly, we're all paying for the the campaigns of both the left and the right. And so you got to look at the press and say they're integrated completely into the political and social life of Washington D.C. and the federal government, and their concerns are not necessarily your concerns or my concerns. And I don't care if it's Hugh Hewitt or somebody on the right versus somebody on the left in the in the news corps and the press. They have a vested interest in seeing all of this continue on. And I disagree. I don't think we need this much government. I think we can scale it down. But the general schedule uh, employees and their educational requirement – uh, th- three months is all you need of experience for a GS2 high school graduation or equivalent, equivalent, I guess, meaning a GED or uh, experience. So you can, you can get into the federal government as a GS1 with no experience whatsoever. Uh, you can get in as a GS2 or a GS3, and these are clerks and stenos with a high school degree. Um, and you can make a reasonable salary. Now, for somebody that has one or two years beyond high school and has a technical degree or an associate degree, they can make a little better money. And this is where the country is really hurting. You know, we're our office is having a hard time finding people. We can't find people for the front office. There's full employment, and we have to pay higher wages, the demand Uh, is there, and I'm competing with other physicians and hospitals and clinics, and so I have to pay more for a GS3 
or an equivalent thereof. And it may even be approaching what the base salary of the GS3 would be. So there are opportunities out there. And the problem with the government hiring these people and paying paying them more is that I'm also competing against the government. So I'm paying the government to create a situation where I'm competing against them for employees. So I'm paying for their employees and then I have to pay more for my employees. Now, wait a minute. What? This, this, does that sound a little weird to you, Bill? I mean, am I, am I off base here or, or is my logic making sense? Why are you second guessing yourself? Your logic always makes sense. It's hard to say. I guess <laughs> Bill doesn't have an opinion on that. So I am competing against myself in essence because I'm paying for government employees and I also am, am paying for my private employees at my office. And I'm competing against a labor market that's very tight right now and against uh, the government and other doctors and hospitals and clinics. That ain't fair. But the big winner here is the press. They had their way. They ended the shutdown. And uh, whether their reasons are truly humanitarian uh, or whether there are other motivations, which I think there are, because let's face it, everything we do is self-serving. And whether it's being Mother Teresa, she did that because it made her feel good. She didn't do that just because she loved humanity. She did it because it made her feel good to love humanity. And if it didn't make her feel good, she wouldn't do it. So we all do things that are in our best interest and that are self-serving. So I am uh, confident that I am correct when I say that the press has acted on their own behalf, that they have a vested interest in seeing all of this continue on. And I don't know how we end that, what will make that stop, but there certainly has to be some reckoning at some point to uh, rein in not only the federal government, but also the press on both sides. It ain't right, folks. It ain't right. It ain't right at all, in my opinion. So the government shutdown went for, what, 35 days, and the numbers were, what, 800,000 people went without a paycheck. And I figured if you average 100,000 per employee and you round it up to a million, uh, you're talking about 2 to 3% of the federal budget that uh, was not paid for a couple of weeks. And as a percentage of the total economy, a $20 trillion economy, it's a pretty small amount. And I don't really think it affected the economy, despite what the press was saying. That's another thing they were crying out is that this is going to hurt the economy. The stock market didn't react. It stayed in a fairly tight, uh, narrow trading band. And uh, that's the that's the forecaster of future economics is the stock market. That's the best forecaster. So 
I'm not sure that that this had that much of an effect or that it even would have that much of an effect over a long period of time or if these people were permanently laid off and had to go get another job. I mean, eventually they'd move on and it might take them weeks to months to find something else to do. But in this uh, near full employment state that we're in, certainly they could find something and that the uh, loss to the economy would be minimal. And I think I talked about the velocity of money as well, which is the amount of money that changes hands over a given period of time. So you take a dollar bill and you see how many different people's hands it goes through over a, a three-month period, and then you you get a velocity of that money. Uh, so over 90 days, it traveled through five hands. And that is another way of looking at how the economy is doing, whether there is a vibrant, uh, interactive, moving economy or not. Now, it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are for uh, the first quarter of 2019, but I'm betting that it's not going to be much affected by this uh, 800,000 people that didn't receive a paycheck for two weeks or a month, a couple of pay periods. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I may be wrong, and if I am, I will certainly uh, stand corrected and be the first to say so, but I do not think that it would impact us. And if it did, it would be short-term because people would go out and find new jobs. So economic growth continues. And as I said, the stock market is the indicator of future economics, and it hasn't really done much. Uh, the impact on the $20 trillion economy is peanuts. Uh, the impact on the federal budget, the amount of money the government is authorized to spend is uh, – maybe two to two and a half percent. The wait in the lines at the airports uh, was a little bit increased with the TSA, but as I pointed out before, uh, a lot of what the TSA does can be automated. We already have metal detectors. Uh, we can make devices that can sniff out the nitrogen and uh, explosives, the ammonia nitrates and the uh, amines that are, that are necessary to make explosives. Uh, we can sniff out uh, drugs. Uh, we have the ability to do that now, and we can use old technology like uh, dogs that sniff out bombs, sniff out drugs, sniff out weapons, uh, whatever it is. Uh, we can do this without all these employees. This is ridiculous. I said it when when the TSA was formed that this is unnecessary. Um, I said it. I've said it on the show over and over again. Why are they? Uh, stopping me and patting me down and wanding me, I'm about the furthest thing from a terrorist that you could get. We need face recognition. We need uh, profiling. We need all of these things. And uh, a lot of this is already being done anyway. So it's just ridiculous that we have this huge body of federal employees that basically uh, act as a harassing agency for those of us who are law-abiding citizens. I don't know, Doc. You seem pretty dangerous to me sometimes. <laughs> and speaking of the police, I'd go to get into the doctor's lot yesterday, and there's a, a crime scene intervention truck parked right in front of the, of the the card, the badge card thing that you put your little electric, put your badge up and it opens up the door. And there's two cops sitting across the parking lot, uh, and they're just sitting there. And I said, hey, can you move this truck? They wouldn't move the truck. 
They would not move the truck. This is this is at the hospital. Like, oh my God, I'm right. The police hate me. They're out to get me, Bill. <laughs> All right, so get rid of the TSA. Get rid of the federal government. No, not really. I'm, I'm not a libertarian, but I do think that we need to cut down and we got to step on the press too, left and right. They're out of control. They are both out of control. At any rate, things are moving along. And I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Thanks for being with me this week, and I'll see you guys next week. And I'm here, Billy Boy. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.